A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Y'all know who El Chapo is? He's the Sinaloa crime cartel. I'm kind of smiling when I say this because like, you know, Chapo's final demise was a little comical. He's, He's nothing to laugh about. You know, he's, I mean is the one of the most notorious like Escobar level Mexican crime cartel bosses I mean just he wowed the Sinaloa cartel hey look you know floating bodies ashore and dangling from street signs like they was they was wild uh and you should know because like Narcos season three is in a lot of ways is about Chapo um if you watch that type of stuff anyway it's kind of funny because, like, one of the things Chapo was known for, he kept escaping from prison. He, you know, would just, like, figure out tunnels and, you know, uh, a lot of the tunnels through, you know, the border down south. Like, that was Chapo and them. They did that. You know what I'm saying? Um, but then he asked for this, like, <laughs> interview with this actress in Sean Penn. Just this weird thing that happened at the end. I was like, okay. But anyway, Chapo finally got his comeuppance towards the end but the thing about Chapo is that he just kept getting away with he just kept he kept escaping from prison like it was just you know his drug game crazy and he just kept escaping and it's it's not funny because of the thousands of lives that were ended because of him at all I mean it's, it's awful just the brutality of it all but that man just kept kept getting away he just kept he just <laughs> they lock him up he'd be free like you just can't could, they couldn't hold him in a cell oh man and the money like yeah, I just always have money ready let's talk about the Sackler family Farmer Purdue hood politics I you so hood right now hood politics y'all Politics. Yo, this show called Chapo Weto. <laughs> I don't know why this name was so funny to me. Well, I do because Weto is a, uh, you know, it's slang for like white boy. So like Weto, Weta, that's like, you know, white boy, white girl. And the etymology of that, we just don't have time for. But it's just slang. Like sometimes it's right. What's dope about like, like Cholo kind of Mexican slang and even just Spanish in general, like a lot of the, the the same words can scale in intensity and vulgarity, depending on the context, because my wife's family, they from southern Mexico, they're from Acapulco. So they're mostly because of the transatlantic slave trade. They're mostly pretty dark skinned down there. My wife, however, of the dark skinned are on. She's one of the lighter ones in her family. Now, she ain't light at all, especially when she gets to America like no that's a brown girl you know what i'm saying but her granddaddy black as hell like he's a black man 
So they call her Weddle, like in her family. You know what I'm saying? Like, or not Weddle, Weda. They call her Weda. Like, uh, when she go, when we went down to Guerrero in Acapulco, they were like, Weda, Weda. They were calling her Weda because, like, to them, she fair skinned. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it, it, anyway. So they don't mean it as a diss, but sometimes they do. You feel me? Sometimes we do. Or sometimes it's like, I don't, it's just, anyway, I'm, I'm off topic. I'm talking about this crime cartel family. Like them is drug dealers. I listen, this is you talking white version of Escobar, the Kali cartel, nigga, they drug dealers. There's another way where they pushers. These are make offer our care of Like they're it's drugs. I'm talking about the Sackler family. It's just the difference is these drugs was legal. And they just happen to get away with it. Until now. But then they still kind of got away with it, which is why I'm calling these folks Chapo Weto. Now let's get to it. So I'm talking about the opioid epidemic in recent court cases. I'm going to tell you some recent court cases. Then I want to back up, talk to you about the Sackler family itself, talk about the war on drugs, talk about uh, how the hood can tell you how we knew this was going to play out. You know what I'm saying? How if white supremacy wasn't such a thing, then maybe we could have guided each other through navigating this moment because we didn't went through this war on drugs. We know we know. We know what happened when an institution pushes a product onto our community, convinces us this the only way out, and then punishes us for actually using the product you sold us. I, I mean, this y'all call it the opioid epidemic. We called it the crack attack. The only difference is we ended up in jail for 40 years. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's systemic, y'all. Anyway. Uh, I'm gonna walk y'all through. I'm talking about the ske- what the difference between Schedule One, Schedule Two narcotic, and what this now means for the future of jail justice and sentencing. So this is gonna be a pretty dense one. But the Sacklers, uh, I'm gonna quote from an NPR article. Oh, there's also a show on uh, Hulu show called Dope Sick that kind of talks a little bit more about the opioid epidemic which is just essentially white people crack attack like that's i don't know <laughs> that sucks but i mean as it's hard to not look from the inner cities and look at what happened to y'all and be like oh nigga we know how this play out you know what i'm saying anyway uh, although there are a lot of like you know i'm uh, these are broad strokes there's a lot of uh things that aren't one-to-one ratios that are, are not fair for me to Say it's that simple because it's not. And you know, I mean, come on now. How we do this show, it's show only 30 minutes long. Like we you know what I'm saying? Like there's only so much nuance if you feel me, I can give you. And I'm not saying that to give myself off the hook. I don't know why I'm giving this long explanation. The point is, this is a very complicated concept. It's kind of like the the when we did the like the you wasn't outside episode with Israel and Palestine, and then like the fear of the clapback one about the Armenian genocide. Uh, these are nuanced, complicated concepts that in a lot of ways, I'm not doing them justice. But uh, I still think if you understand the hood, you understand politics. So here we go. Uh, the Sacklers made billions from Oxycontin, fentanyl and all these different opioids that were in these painkillers that has decimated middle America, you know, now, and when I say middle America, okay, that's that, okay. Let me, here's another disclaimer. It's other people besides white people that live in middle America. Uh, I mean, Kansas city's in middle America. I just, it's, it's a gang of black people with Kansas city. This gang of Latinos. Again. Anyway, that's, I'm off point. Uh, but Oxycontin, as we know, like that, them, that stuff that stuff killed y'all white folks boy it ran through y'all's hood like crack ran through ours why because it's freakishly addictive unbelievably addictive and it's hard i'd be hard pressed to say that there is not of all the listeners of this show that like 
there's a high percentage of y'all that either struggle with it or have lost somebody or got some dead homies over over this stuff or people in jail over addictions, which I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm talking about like, when why is it a crime to be addicted? You know, that's, that's, isn't that a health issue, not a criminal issue? Size point. So anyway, uh, the way that crime and punishment is supposed to work is if, I mean, you lied to the public about a product, sold the product knowing full well it was going to cause the type of damages he caused. You pushing something you know is deadly. You the pusher. So, you know, the corner boy up to the connect, up to the pusher, up to the supplier. Y'all all supposed to go to jail. Who supposed to get the most time is the supplier, the pusher. You need to pay for this. Like, you didn't cause irreversible damage in multiple millions of fam well not billions but multiple families just you're criminally liable to which the Sacklers were like yeah but we broke though so they was like look I ain't got it yeah these billionaires was like yeah I ain't got it so uh, maybe if you could sue the company Purdue Pharma which they own, but us personally, uh, we bankrupt. We ain't got it. You ever loan somebody, somebody owe you money and they like, yo, I ain't got it, but I can put something on it. Like that's, that's real old school. It's like, look, man, let me, I can put something on it. Hey, listen, homie, you know, there's some people you should never borrow money from or you should never loan money to because you ain't going to get your money. You ain't going to get it back. You just, just know it's a gift. They ain't going to have it. And then other people you know got it. They just not giving it to you. Ah, oh, man, I got you. Oh, I'm going to get you next week. Oh, I'm going to get you next week. Oh, some nice shoes you got there, big old. I seen you at the club blowing some Henny. You know what I'm saying? You blew a bottle of Henny. You was in VIP talking about you ain't got the money you owe me, though. So in the civil suit, they declared bankruptcy. Now they have won immunity from opioid lawsuits. Them niggas is immune. They don't have to pay the company do but they don't and then it gets even crazier because not only did the pusher but now also the corner boys and in this situation the corner boys ain't a boy it's cvs walgreens and walmart they held liable that's crazy this is like this would mean like okay something else going on here now, in the streets, we would know that. Like, you know, if you get caught with intent to sell, unless you give up your connect, for you know, you could plead for 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 a uh, you know a lower sentence if you give up the connect. But you know, if you give up the connect, you're dying, right? You know what I'm saying? Like that's you can't give up the connect. You you feel me? You just have somebody like you know what I'm saying. You got popped. You keep your mouth shut because when you get back, when you get back out on the streets, you want to be able to like put on again you want to be able to get back up you know you down you was up you down now you want to be able to get back up when you get back out right i'm saying right like like you noticed already but anyway if you get popped like you you know what i'm saying like you gotta like you know you just you do your time and just hope everything work out right but you going to jail in this situation i didn't think you could put i didn't think the store i didn't think the the corner boy CVS Walgreens would be would have to like pony up they got to pony up and they they definition was like fam or not they definition they defense was like fam we not we not the doctors we just the store you tell us what it's our job to figure out if this (laughs) we just I'm just the store fam you finna sue the store? We ain't the we y'all prescribed it. Somebody walk in with a prescription. It's just our job to give you, give the person what you told us to get him. We supposed to know this is bad. They say, uh-huh, you sure is. You making money off all this. And when money hands is exchanged, big homie, like, I mean, look, so somebody gotta pay. And what you see it right here, somebody used to say all the time, hey, listen, bosses don't go to jail. 
Bosses figure it out. Bosses, they go out in a blaze of glory, big homie. These, look. It just look, Weddo, Weddo got active, dog. They was like, oh, we ain't got it. But you can shoot, you can sue the business, though. Business got this much. Why would you do that? Because you can't go back, because the name burnt. You can't go back to being Purdue Pharma, nigga, after something like this. So go ahead and burn the name. You know what I'm saying? We good, but go and burn the name. It don't, that don't make sense to you. That make perfect sense to me. That's what, that's what they did. Okay, now let me, I'm jumping all over the place because this is so thick. So, the Sackler family is the founders of the company Purdue Pharma, who are the people responsible for dropping these opioids on our streets. Uh, but let's go back. We got to go back a lot of ways. Let's go back, first of all, to the concept of pain. Let's take a break. dad the dress 30 to 50 feral hogs if you knew what any of those were you spend too much time online and hey i do too 16th minute of fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me jamie loftus where every week i take a closer look at an internet character of the day who were they what made them so notorious why did the internet choose them and what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.
All right, yo, we back, man. I hope y'all, uh, shout out headlights, Matt Ausowski. I think that was close enough. Uh, yo, these tracks are brand new, man. He, I mean, he doing every week. I want to shout the homie. I hope y'all hearing all these, like, scoring. He finna put out a record. He, 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 he finna put out his, like, his playlist. We gonna try to get some of these songs placed in other places. But, like, man, tell that fool, like, drop the album. Do him like, do him like y'all doing West Side Boogie, like. Hey, drop the album. So that's why I'll be like, every time he shows me a new track, I'll be like, drop the album. Anyway, uh, he's at headlights underscore music. You tell him drop the album. Um, that'd be so funny. Hashtag drop the album. Boy, just bomb this fool's Instagram. Anyway. Okay, so for most of medical history, I mean, I'm dead serious. For most of medical history, pain was not a prescribed thing. It's not a diagnosed thing. Pain's not a thing. Pain is what happens when a thing is wrong. This is it's the it's the indicator. It's not the thing. It's the indicator of the thing. So you don't treat pain. Pain is the signal that tells you you have to treat something. Are you, you you following me? So there was no pain medicine. There was no pain killers other than whiskey, you know, or just getting high, right? But like that, it it wasn't a thing. So even when you go to the doctor and they give you a scale of like, oh, hey, on a scale of one to ten, like what's your pain level? Like somebody had to think of that, and it's pretty modern because pain it wasn't you don't prescribe it. It's if you fall and you break your arm, you don't go, my arm hurts. You go, my arm's broken. I need to, I need to fix the bone. You don't fix the, the pain goes away when you fix the problem. That seems pretty logical, right? But then there was things like chronic pain, right? Because some stuff is not fixable. When you have a chronic disease, that's, which means it's not going away. Something like arthritis, you know what I'm saying? Tendinitis, different types of things that happen to our bodies that are just, they're not going away. Like there is no treating it. All you could do is try to live your life. And the way to do that is to reduce the pain. So that's when pain became a thing. So... Purdue Pharma, this company, uh, basically the, the, the parents of the Sacklers that we know of, they had this idea that said, well, nobody's out here dealing with chronic pain. There's, no, there's nothing on the market just for the pain. Of course, you know, Tylenol, Bear, stuff like that, right? But like, so it was just, just, it's a pain pill. What if, and they had this idea like, okay, this is back in 86. What if we uh, just treat the pain because pain sucks? We already have this like slow release opioid. But what if we like make it to where it's not as clearly an opium and have it kind of slow releasey and we could do it in pill form and it won't be as quote unquote addictive because it's slow release. Like you can't be addicted to something that's slow release is the logic they said out loud. And voila, painkillers. And in 1996, Oxycontin hits the streets. Now, why this is so crazy is because nigga, it's opium. Like it's an old uh, poppy plant, Afghanistan, it's opium. You remember the opium? Do you remember all them old pictures, them old racist pictures of Chinese people leaning back on the tapestry with the smoke? Those were called opium dens. So if you smoked opium, it was considered to be, I'm using these racial terms, oriental, Asiatic. It was Eastern. You know what I'm saying? So this idea of like, ah, oh, they're just smoking the stuff. So like that version of opium was not supposed to be, that was, that was low class. But if it's in a pill form, a little different. 
as as a side note, as an interesting side note, the first people to get addicted to doctor prescribed drugs, which at the time was opium, were Southern white women. I'm pausing for effect. They were that. I mean, that was the first like drug outbreak. Why? Well, because their husbands were out at war. Their sons were coming back in body bags and they had enough money to go to the doctor to, to prescribe what they used to call the melancholies when you was just you was just sad. So then they give them these little little hits, these little happy things to cheer them up. They were actually the first to be addicted to the do your Googles. It's a very interesting thing, you know what I'm saying? But like it's different when it's high class. You're not just a druggie. You got the melancholies. Oh God, this telling y'all man there's no that there is no end of the black hole of inequalities in our country anyway um so back to this deal so that's so that's the history of like of of a painkiller right is like it's made up it's it's opium that you're supposed to be non-addictive which as we know fast forward a year and a half now, nigga, it's super addictive. Matter of fact, more addictive than than the rest of them. And the Sackler family and Purdue Pharma purposefully hid that content in or does research and like it was on purpose. They they didn't tell nobody because they drug dealers. So since 1996 to now, you know, opioids been wrecking the wrecking the wrecking the woods. You know, smashing everybody. So, but this federal judge, Robert Drain, approved the bankruptcy settlement a couple Wednesdays ago that grant the Sacklers global peace from any liability from the opioid epidemic. They got their chopo on because though he himself, the judge himself was like, this is trash. But I mean, what can I say? Which again is another argument of how great our justice system works. Rich and guilty or you poor and innocent. Look, rich and guilty, you good. Anyway, um, they still, the Sacklers still ain't apologized. They still denied all wrongdoing. They was like, man, it sucks that sucks that y'all died, but you know, I mean, we didn't pin you down and put it in your arm. They, you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, no opioid lawsuits. Now, Purdue Pharma itself pled guilty. The company, the corporation, which according to old Mitch McConnell, corporations are people. The corporation got to plead guilty, but the Sacklers themselves are free in the clear. Now, let's learn a little bit about the Sacklers themselves. Now, the Sackler family come from the descendants of Isaac Sackler and his wife, Sophie. They're Jewish immigrants um, to the United States uh, from Ukraine and Poland. And anyway, they established this like grocery business in Brooklyn. They had three sons, Arthur, Mortimer, and Raymond Sackler. They went to medical school and they became psychiatrists, right? Uh, They were often cited as like early pioneers. Like, I mean, all this stuff is super Wikipedia easy to find, right? But uh, they were early innovators of a lot of medical techniques, which became uh, common practice, like lobotomies, like niggas was cutting brains open, right? Um, They were actually first to fight for racial integration in blood banks. I mean, it's complicated, right? Then they bought this small pharmaceutical company, Purdue Frederick, and Raymond and Mortimer ran Purdue while Arthur, their younger brother, uh, became a pioneer in like medical advertising. Follow me. One dude new to science, the other dude new to marketing. What a perfect, 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 perfect combo. So then, like I said, in 1996, Purdue Pharma uh, introduced OxyContin. It's a version of oxycodone reformulated to slow release, right? And it was heavily promoted. Why? Because they know how to push weight. Well, I tell you about Cornwall. I tell you about this whole time and this thing like, you know, it, your, your, your street hustler is a brilliant marketer. They're brilliant business people. They just in a thing that the company, that the country don't respect. It just, they should just should have sold different drugs. Because then Purdue Pharma would have been, you know, uh, Jenkins and Gonzalez. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. The point is, uh, voila, amazing marketing, incredible, uh, addictive product gets you the opioid epidemic. 
So they heavily produced it. Then Elizabeth Sackler, which is the daughter of Arthur Sackler, claimed that her branch of the family did not practice or benefit by the sales of narcotics. Uh, nigga, I don't know how you couldn't have. But everybody who's watching this, everybody who lost somebody, everybody who was in power that was watching this was like on their head. Like, nah, nigga, we know what the hell you did. And voila, the opioid crisis, uh, because the stuff was so addictive and it was so easy to get. And you could get high quick, get high easy, and you could just go to the store. Can you like you just went to the store and got it? Voila, opioid epidemic. And again, I can't stress this enough. I am not doing this justice. Right. But they were in the process and really succeeding on selling legal drugs, which were more deadly than a lot of drugs that are at the time not legal. Which gets us to the next part is how do you decide what's the difference between a medicine pharmaceutical or a narcotic drug? Dance after this. Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then 
Fall in Love All Over Again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. All right. Now, you may have heard these phrases before, but they're called the scheduling of narcotics, right? Now, this is at, you could go, I mean, any, any you know, Food and Drug Administration, any drug, any, uh, 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 you know, national database about the scheduling of drugs that helps you understand how they decide and what the criteria is to decide which is which. Now, the I'm going to start on the bottom so you can understand the scheduling. A Schedule 5 narcotic is Robitussin. Like cough syrup, like Robitussin, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Motifin, which is like Motrin, stuff like that. Basic over the counter. Schedule four, those are Zannies. They got some issues, but it's fine. Ambient, Valium, right? Soma, these are drugs that you need. Obviously, you need to, you, you shouldn't be popping Zannies for fun. You know, you could ask Lil Zan. That's a, that's a young person joke. Schedule three. Tylenol with codeine, antibiotic steroids and testosterone. Okay, now we're getting a little more like, yo, you need to pay attention to what you're doing, but this stuff's still over the over the counter. Now, watch this. Schedule two, okay, cocaine, meth, oxycodone, Adderall, Ritalin, and Vicodin. So these is like, okay, we're getting serious. You telling me that cocaine meth and oxycodone are not even number one my nigga day number two cocaine meth oxycodone adderall ritalin so the schedules have to do with the amount of regulation right and which is a crime or not okay so obviously once you get into the meth and codeine you know meth Cocaine, like, okay, this is a crime. You can't just be having this. You want to know what the number one Schedule One narcotic is? Marijuana. Heroin, LSD, ecstasy, and magic mushrooms. Does that list seem arbitrary to you? Does that list seem like maybe it's not based in science? Maybe it has much more to do to politics than science. You telling me y'all got mar y'all got marrow y'all got weed. You could Uber eats weed. There is an app called Ease out here in California. I you could like they deliver it to the crib. Marijuana is on the same line as heroin. You telling me? <laughs> What's the scientific basis that you got cocaine as less dangerous than some pot? You know what the answer is? There isn't any. You got no scientific evidence to prove, my nigga. And why of all these words, why is one of them in Spanish? Marijuana is the Spanish word for cannabis. Why, why all the other stuff? <laughs> why you calling it that? Well, I'll tell you why. I'm glad you asked. Uh, Nixon. Nixon's why you're calling, this, calling it that. And it's fucking racist why. Uh, one, well, marijuana is the Spanish word from it. And, and it was coming up from Mexico. So there's that. But we knew it was called cannabis. We knew it was called pot. We knew we had other names for this stuff. But yeah, it was coming up from Mexico, right? Um, but the idea was when you're launching the war on drugs, you attach these drugs with the people that you also don't want around. So you call it marijuana. This is marketing. You call it marijuana. I mean, Google me. Fact check me. You call it marijuana for the purpose of making it seem, according to them, low class and exotic. You know what I'm saying? Like it's dirty. It's marijuana. It sounds more 
evil than just just pot. While at the same time, again, do your Googles. The United States of America holds all future patents for any medicine that comes out of marijuana research to this day. They've had it for decades while at the same time keeping it a Schedule 1. Now, why is it staying a Schedule 1? Because you have to do uh, federally funded research to prove that, hey, this is actually very beneficial to us. Now, you again, now I'll scroll down to the magic mushroom stuff, to the LSD, to the ecstasy. Ecstasy, I ain't got no science on that one, but the LSD and the magic mushroom like cybacillin and stuff like that, like that stuff has been proven with people that deal with PTSD and and um, really bad like head traumas um, to help. Right. That I mean, that's what, you know, a lot of psychedelics have shown that like, yeah, they help with stuff like that. Like there's a I'll drop some. Um, I don't have to drop them. I can tell you her name now. Hold on. Suzanne Sisley. She's at uh, Humble Institutes for Interdisciplinary uh, Marijuana Research. She's actually a brilliant lady. I seen her speak at this uh, thing up in Eden Prairie, Utah, believe it or not. I was up there with the white boys at the thing called Summit. It's incredible. Anyway. Yeah, she's done a bunch of research with um, vets, with with war vets dealing with serious PTSD and like look up her research. It's like, yo, shit works, y'all. Right. But without getting too far in the weeds, um, there's only one university that is uh, federally approved to build all your test studies for to prove that marijuana is a useful medicine uh but it's you have to do it from the stuff that's like powder form that's all stem and like something you've never smoked like no one it's like dirt weed like no one would smoke this it's so it's like you're already starting with like the worst possible strand ever but like like, this is a billion dollar industry like come on now uh but it's still federally schedule one like i wonder i wonder why You know what else is not on this list is uh, you may think is crack. But again, crack is if you don't know this, crack is actually just cheap versions of cocaine. Um, But then we could talk about the 18 to one laws and I don't want to get into that. This is about Chapo. Right. So, yeah. Here, I'm going to quote from um, from this uh, Vox article about the scheduling of narcotics. So the war on drugs was initiated when. Much of the nation was in hysterics about what drugs will do to the, quote, normal fabric of our country. Y'all know what the quote means. Um, It may be helpful to think of scheduling system as made up of two distinct groups, the non-medical and the medical. The non-medical compromises the Schedule 1 drugs, which are considered to have no medical value or high potential for abuse. Uh, The medical group comprised in schedules two through five, which have some medical value and are numerically ranked based on the abuse potential. Uh, There are some cultural considerations in the scheduling system. The war on drugs was initiated at a time which midst of the nation was in hysterics about what drugs like marijuana, cannabis, and LSD would do to the fabric, the moral fabric of our country. Marijuana was seen as dangerous, but not necessarily because of its direct health benefits, but its perception, partially rooted in racial injustices. Uh, The pot makes people immoral, lazy, and even violent. Weed makes you violent. I don't know what weed you had. Uh, The perception persists among many supporters of the war on drugs to this day, and it's still reflected in America's drug scheduling. Beyond the scheduling system, the federal government imposes criminal trafficking penalties on drugs that are not always aligned with their scheduling. For instance, marijuana trafficking is generally punished less less severely than cocaine. Uh, As states, governments set up their own criminal penalties and schedules for drugs as well so that's a way to think about drug scheduling now back to our situation we're dealing with here with the purdue pharma family or the sackler family purdue pharma country they dealing with a schedule two drug on the line with ritalin and vicodin 
lied about its degree of potential of abuse, right? Because they said it was non-addictive. Clearly it is. And decimated our country. I keep, I, I want to keep saying this to you. It decimated our country. And now they're not liable. They were able to declare bankrupt and they got to be El Chapo out this mug. Now, moral of the story, bosses don't go to jail. And especially boss white people, unless the white people just start deciding you fucking up the money. So what did they do? They put the baby to sleep. You, you, you kill the company. The company pled guilty. You can always start a new company. You, know, you can always bounce back. Last night took a hell, but tonight I'll bounce back. You get your chopo on. You know what I'm saying? Let them put you down. You get out. You'll be all right. Now, what's our takeaway? Our takeaway is this. There are a lot of young families who found themselves with a cousin, an uncle, an auntie, somebody facing severe criminal charges over the use of these opioids. Now these people are in lawsuits against the companies and the retail outlets for which put these drugs in their hands, right? What we've said time and time again about being abolitionists, about being about criminal justice reform is you're penalizing a person for their biology reacting the way that our biology would when you put an addictive substance in it. If you take cocaine in crack form, you are going to be addicted. That's just, it's our biology. If you're taking opioids, you're going to be addicted. Addiction can't be criminal, y'all. Like, that's just, now, what you do when you're high, that's a different story. Then you've committed a crime. But having a possession of a drug that's clearly addictive, we got to rethink this. And especially when the person that put it in my hands is not criminally liable. Some may write. I mean, I'm just. What does that mean to us? That mean that like, well, there's a lot of nonviolent offenders sitting in prisons right now that some states have let go, have expunged charges, like a lot of like uh, marijuana charges. They've been let go because, I mean, the shit is legal in most states. Like, this is crazy. Like, why are you still in jail for this? That's number one. Number two, maybe we need to interrogate the entire system itself. Maybe somebody need to get in the office and think about what do, how, who decided these schedulings and how can we change this? Do I do we have a say in how drugs are scheduled? Because clearly this these choices are cultural. They not scientific. Right? They not it's not based on this ain't based on science, obviously. It's based on lobbyists. I mean, I just based on American fears. What the article just said. And finally, we need to figure out a way. To hold those that are accountable, accountable. How do we do that from the hood? Well, I don't know. I know the war on drugs felt like the war on the poor. I know this opioid epidemic feel real similar. And I'll be honest with you. I was hoping that this would have been a bridge across supremacy. To say, man, li- li- listen, 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 listen. You being crushed by the same system I am. This this why this why I always push back when people say when you talk about white supremacy, that means you hate white people. I'm like, you, you, you can't you white people crushed by white supremacy too. It it's hurting you too. Like you can't power loves power. It's hurting you too. You, you should be chanting just as loud as we are because it's hurting you too. They finna get off y'all. It's, you know, they gonna get off. Guess who gonna pay for it though? Now, in their defense, they've already pledged $2 billion 
to the families who suffered from the opioid crisis. I'm going to give y'all that. That's a lot of money. But is it justice? Shit, I can't call it. Shout out Chapo Weto. Y'all, this mug was recorded and edited by me, Propaganda, right here in East Los Boyle Heights, Los Angeles. Y'all can follow me at Prop Hip Hop on all the socials. You can follow the Hood Politics Pod itself at Hood Politics Pod, where we be trying to make takes on stuff that aren't really big enough for a whole episode, but definitely needs a little bit of clarity. This mug was scored, edited, mixed, and mastered by the one and only Headlights. Y'all go follow my dog, Matt Oswowski. I still don't know how to say his name. I'm glad he changed it to Headlights. Follow him on his socials at Headlights underscore music. Telling you here all these new other fly tracks this fool be making. And the theme music was done by the one and only Gold Tips, Gold Tips, DJ Sean P. Y'all remember, every time you check in, if you understand the hood, you could understand politics. Shouts to iHeartMedia for making this happen. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.